1: Good evening and welcome to Real America's Voice and Just the News' special election coverage 2020, Our Republic at Risk. I'm Eric Reitens. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as citizens. We listen to you and we work for you. The 2020 election had many irregularities. You asked us to investigate and we did. While others complained and criticized, we went to work and assembled a team of 30 investigators around the country to look into the 2020 election and to investigate the issues that the mainstream media so often refused to cover. Well, here last night, we brought you concrete evidence of widespread fraud in Michigan. That evidence came in the form of multiple affidavits from people involved in counting ballots in Michigan. Those Michigan citizens all provided first-hand accounts swearing to widespread voter fraud in Detroit. Now that evidence, of course, still needs to be fully investigated, but when the mainstream media says that there's no evidence of widespread fraud, that is simply no longer true. And that, of course, is just the tip of the iceberg. As we mentioned last night, the team here is working through hundreds of affidavits from people around the country. And overnight, this team dug even deeper into what happened in Michigan. And joining us now is Just The News investigator and reporter, Seamus Bruner. Seamus, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, it's great to be with you, Eric. You bet. Seamus, you've got
1: a story right now at justthenews.com about how Detroit contracted for poll workers. And you found that Detroit paid more than $1 million to a firm owned by a key figure in the corruption case of Detroit's ex-mayor. Now, I want to dig into the details of that. But first, for, for most of us who aren't familiar with Detroit politics, please give us a sense for who the major players are here. Who's Kwame Kilpatrick? What role did William Phillips play for him in his career?
2: Yeah, that's that's right. Kwame Kilpatrick in 2001 was elected as uh, Detroit's youngest mayor ever, and uh, everybody was excited for him. But very soon, people realized that he was kind of plundering the coffers of Detroit. He was using uh, taxpayer resources for his own benefit. There was just so much money sloshing around in Kwame Kilpatrick's various entities that uh, it ended up leading to char- like FBI investigations and charges, and now he is— uh, currently incarcerated on a 28-year uh, prison sentence for dozens of charges, uh, all relating to corruption. So the money, we, we, we follow the money, and uh, his his sort of money man, treasurer, is a man named William Phillips. William Phillips went to the same high school as Kwame Kilpatrick and, uh, you know, longtime friends. He's an attorney in Detroit. Uh, he was he's kind of a well-respected member of the community. Now, he's never been uh, accused of um, or, or at least charged. He's never been charged by prosecutors. He was accused of uh, running a lot of the entities that Kwame Kilpatrick was using to enrich himself and his family. So there's uh, this this uh, Kilpatrick Civic Fund. It was a nonprofit mm. organization that was uh, the FBI specifically cited that as the vehicle. Well, William Phillips uh, was the treasurer, the secretary and the attorney. He's kind of a jack of all trades, he wears many hats in the Kilpatrick enterprise. This man is now running a, an operation, a, a staffing agency, for, for lack of a better term, it's a temp agency that is the, the exact agency that got the contract for the 2020 election for poll yeah. workers.
1: And, and, and tell, us, tell us about that more specifically. What role did William Phillips play in hiring the poll
2: workers in Detroit? Well, so he he set up Pi Management LLC. We it's it's a kind of an interesting story. We stumbled across this while we were looking into some of the Dominion voting machines mm. contracts with the city of Detroit. So we were looking into Dominion, and we come across this interesting name, uh, Pi Management LLC, and we're like, well, what the heck is this? They're getting a million million dollars to hire thousands of poll workers for the 2020 election. So we start digging in on Pi Management LLC. It's an acronym for Phillips Investment Enterprise. So I guess it's a you know I don't know it's an investment outfit, but it it also hires uh, sort of the muscle those people you see in the yellow vests. Those are the poll workers. William Phillips's uh, organization got a million from the city of Detroit, hired these uh, these poll workers, and uh, you know that's that's sort of his role in it. I you know I don't know that he ever was in the precincts. It's it's more his his company, but. These, these workers were paid really, really high uh, sums of money. If you look at the Pi Management LLC website, they've got these job offerings, mm-hmm. uh, You know, seven, cemetery maintenance workers, it's usually about 10 to 12 bucks an hour. These poll workers were paid $600 for a 12 hour shift and $650 for the eight hour graveyard shift. Yeah, and so uh, that's w- about 80 us, bucks an us hour. Walk us
1: through that again. Yeah, so, so what were these poll workers paid for, for the day shift and the, and the night shift?
2: Yeah, the day shift, they were paid uh, $600 That's uh, for 12 hours, roughly 50 bucks an hour. The night shift, and this is from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. So th- th- we thought the polls were shut down, but uh, apparently William Phillips' employees were working the graveyard shift, getting paid 80 bucks an hour to, to do, I mean, I, you know, presumably feeding ballots into the Dominion voting machines.
1: And, and Seamus, this is, let's just remind our viewers, we have these affidavits that are coming uh, from people who are alleging widespread fraud. These were the poll workers, and we're not, we don't know whether or not these particular poll workers were were hired by, by Mr. Phillips. But we do know that his, his firm uh, was involved in hiring a lot of the poll workers who are working in the city of Detroit. And we also know that we've got affidavits from a number of poll workers and poll observers uh, who are talking about widespread fraud uh, in Detroit. Now, Seamus, if, if we could, let's, let's shift gears for, for just a moment. Um, you've been part of the team that's been doing a lot of research. You've been working through these affidavits. You've obviously been digging into this, following the money trail. You've also been looking at deceased voters. Um, Now, you've done research uncovering people who were dead (laughs) who actually voted. Now, these are concrete examples of voter or election fraud. I think most people would agree that dead people should not vote. Now, we know that this happened in 2020. At the same time, uncovering every one of those dead voters takes a lot of work. And one of the allegations that the mainstream media has been been making is they say, well, there's so many proven dead voters, but it's not enough to swing the election. Where's the evidence of widespread fraud? Now we've got these sworn statements from people alleging widespread voter fraud. Uh, Walk our viewers through though, you've been doing this research, with dead voters specifically, please explain to our uh, our viewers the process that you go through To prove that a dead person quote voted, and how how laborious that is.
2: Yeah, it's very time uh, intensive, and uh, you know we've found dozens, but the you know the the numbers are not quite high enough to flip it. And now it would take weeks or even months to go through every single. We get we get the basically the process is we get the voter rolls. It's got the names, date of births, zip codes of the people, and their last date voted. And so you see, okay, they voted on November 3rd. Interesting, they're born in 1915. That seems kind of bizarre. Um, we, there's actually thousands and thousands of centenarians, uh, people oh. over the age of 100 who voted. Now, some of these are errors. Uh, you know, Someone got lazy um, and didn't want to follow up and get the actual birth date, so they just keyed in. Someone at the county or city keyed in uh, 1901 as the birth year. But, I mean, that's a problem in and of itself. We shouldn't have been voter rolls with inaccurate dates of birth on it. So thousands and thousands of people over the age of 100 um, is just not, you know, there aren't that many 100-year-olds living in the state of Michigan. So so the problem with uh, dead voters, it's a long, long-standing problem. It's, you know, it's been going on for many years. Detroit specifically in 2005 identified 380,000 uh, people on the voter rolls, whether dead or, you know, long since moved away. Um, so, so they call these dirty voter rolls. Michigan is very well known for having dirty voter rolls. There was a lawsuit filed, uh, just last year or a year before trying to clean up these voter rolls and, and get the, the dead people off of them. But it's a huge problem. It's, it is systemic and, uh, it, it just is very time time intensive trying to find the dead voters. Um, what, what's really, a, a kind of seeming to be a bigger problem. It's definitely these mass mail-in ballots, mm. the secretary of state of Michigan sent out absentee ballot requests unsolicited to every single person. And so when you, when you have these kind of just floating around and then you hire, then they, the Democrat party hires ballot harvesters to go pick them up and the voter is supposed to fill it out. But in many cases, and as these affidavits testify. the the voter is not the one filling out the ballot, it's some of these operatives. And so we're not sure if PI Management LLC employees were filling out ballots, but the affidavits are saying poll workers are, so we're starting to put these pieces together.
1: Right, and and if you could, you touched on this uh, uh, very briefly, Seamus, just in the 30 seconds that we have left. You mentioned the 2005 election. That was actually the election when Kwame Kilpatrick, if I remember right, was was reelected. What happened in that election?
2: Yes, yes, that's it's a very interesting election. So Kwame Kilpatrick, it it has a lot of hallmarks of our uh, November third election. Kwame Kilpatrick, everybody goes to bed election night, thinking that Kwame Kilpatrick has been defeated. His opponent, Freeman Hendricks, uh, you know, pulled out the win. He was running on a you know anti-corruption message, trying to clean up the city of Detroit, and uh, everybody goes to bed and wakes up the next morning, and Kwame Kilpatrick has somehow taken the lead due to a bunch of absentee ballots coming in overnight. And uh he won that election and went on to uh, you know, keep keep committing this corruption that ended up leading to his uh arrest, indictment, and uh, resignation in disgrace.
1: Well well Seamus, we very much appreciate your willingness to dig in to bring people the nonpartisan facts. It's what our viewers want. We appreciate it. Keep Keep up the hard work. And folks, we'll be right back after this to dig into the question of what the Supreme Court is likely to play in this election. Welcome back to Real America's Voice coverage of the 2020 election. I'm Eric Greitens. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen and we work for you. Many of you have asked us about the role that the Supreme Court might play in determining the outcome of the election. And to discuss that, we're pleased to welcome former Assistant Attorney General Victoria Tenzing, and former United States Attorney Joseph DeGeneva. Victoria and Joe, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, sure. Let, let, let's begin with the Constitution. Article One, Section 4 of the United States Constitution says that the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. Tell our viewers, please, what does that mean and why is it
4: so important this year? Congress left, or the founders left this to the state legislatures to determine exactly how federal elections are to be conducted. And that means when the state legislature speaks, no one else can overrule it. Not the Supreme Court of that state, not any election board, and not any secretary of state.
5: We're governor.
1: Right,
4: yeah, Okay. right, right. And but now in, in two cases in North
1: Carolina and Pennsylvania, the United States Supreme Court, that they had the opportunity to rule before the election about the process of counting votes in both of those states. Uh, please tell our yes. viewers <laughs> about those cases and specifically about how Justice Roberts voted when the court decided whether or not to, to hear the cases.
4: Uh, Pennsylvania state legislature said that the ballots have to be in by 8 p.m. on election day, mm. and the the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said, "Oh my my my, there's a pandemic going on. It's a national emergency, and we're going to give them three more days to count ballots." In North Carolina, the legislature said it has to be postmarked by election day, but we have a three day period of receiving them, and the election board the state election board said oh no we're going to give you six more days so the republican party took that to the supreme court and said hey stop this it's it's unconstitutional and john roberts sided with the liberals and said we're not not going to take that case before the election so he kicked the can down the road in both cases and, and, and in both of those cases, and the Supreme Court
1: refused to make a ruling ahead of time about the process for, for counting, counting votes. Now, now, most Americans think that there's a conservative majority in the court right now, even before uh, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett joined. You've got Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh. Uh, that's four conservative justices. And then people think of Justice Roberts as being a conservative. But what you're saying is that in these cases, he voted with the liberal justices, with Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan. And so basically, there, there was a four-to-four tie. Do we have that right?
5: That's correct, because, uh, because obviously there, uh, Amy Coney Barrett had not been confirmed yet.
1: Right, right, so it was, it was a four-to-four tie then when Justice Roberts sided with, with the liberals. Now, again, I, I'm not a lawyer. Both of you have practiced law at the, at the highest levels in the country. But it seems to me like this has created a bit of a mess because the Supreme Court could have gone in and told North Carolina and Pennsylvania how to count those votes, but instead now they're gonna have to hear a case in which actual votes are challenged, where they'd have to actually say which votes count and which don't, is that right?
5: Yes, well, that's absolutely right, Eric. And of course, by delaying and not resolving those cases, When there was no voting going on, Mm. they could have avoided a much more political situation. Now they're in the midst of the actual voting and the actual counting. And in order to intervene, they're going to have to take a side. Now, obviously, they're not going to be taking a side of a candidate, but they're going to be deciding the issue, which will make it look like they're taking the side of a candidate. So by delaying, they have created a worse situation for themselves than if they had acted when they should have earlier
4: but there's a history here eric that you the viewers should all know about let's go back 10 years january 2010 when president obama for the state of the union said with the supreme court sitting in the audience he decried the citizens united decision which had just come down Mm. and he falsely said it's allowing foreign corporations to contribute to to US elections. That was absolutely false. In fact, Sam Alito was so shocked, he, he set out, not true, not true. Mm. And John Roberts sat there and took it and came back the next year, when Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas did not return because they were so offended by the president's remarks. So it, the, Obama has had a history of bullying John Roberts and John Roberts has acquiesced.
1: Yeah, and, and specifically here, it seems to me that if, if, uh, if, if the chief justice, if John Roberts had decided to rule on this, he would have actually kept the court out of the actual politics of counting votes. They would have just made a decision about the process for counting and what the constitutional process was. Now that the votes have been counted, they're going to have to actually go in and decide which votes count and were constitutional votes, and which votes and which
5: votes weren't. What, what's the possible reasoning for that? Well, it's very difficult to, to figure it out because you're absolutely right. If, if, if he had sided with the conservatives and ordered the two states, North Carolina and Pennsylvania, to act constitutionally and ignore the elections board and the rulings of the secretary of state in each of those states and put it back the way the legislatures had determined it, Everything would have been fine because they would have been dealing with an empty slate. They wouldn't have been taking anybody's side. There would have been no election results at work. Now they're going to have to get right in the middle of the fray. And, the re- and uh, there's no reason to explain John Roberts' behavior other than, than that he just didn't want to get involved and he, th- he hoped that the election would be a landslide one way or the other and they would never have to revisit the issue that's the only reason i can think of that he would not have gotten involved
4: but i want to remind our viewers mm. about the obamacare which was decided a few mm. years after that state state of the union uh, by obama and that is that when the court was deliberating the constitutionality of the obamacare law The president, President Obama, bullied him again, John Roberts. He said, if he doesn't decide to uphold Obamacare, his legacy will be lost forever. And guess what? John Roberts had already voted to hold it unconstitutional, and he changed his vote. And Any any lawyer reading it can can see that he changed his vote and said it was a tax. But we all happen to know that that occurred because we talked to one of the justices who told us, and they were furious. And again, I, I'm not a lawyer here, but the, the you know, you just, just look at
1: this, you just read the constitution, it seems incredibly clear in this case that the, they're saying the state legislature shall do this and no one would have the opportunity to actually override what the state Legislature says, so what could possibly be? It seems to me that the Republicans would have a very clear and convincing case if they go in and simply ask the Supreme Court to uphold the Constitution or, or am I missing something?
5: No, you're absolutely right. And in one and in an order that Judge Alito issued last week, mm. he ordered the Pennsylvania vote counters to segregate. The ballots that were coming in after the official deadline of that had been established by the legislature. So it's clear that the court understands that these votes are unconstitutional, which makes it all the more unreasonable for Roberts to have sided with the with the liberals and to have prevented a decision on that.
4: But Eric, here's the problem. Mm. The Republicans were kept out of observing the vote counting procedure. So who knows whether those votes were segregated? Nobody knows because even though there was a court order saying that the Republicans should be able to go in and observe, the closest they could get was about 20 feet because there were still barriers and they were threatened with arrest if they tried to get any closer.
1: Well, it just just seems to me like Justice Roberts had the opportunity to have the Supreme Court weigh in and create clarity. And now it's just likely to lead to that much more potential chaos and, and confusion. Now, obviously no one can know, but do you have any thoughts on, now that we have Justice Amy Coney Barrett on the court, how that's likely to shape the way the court would rule in these in these cases that very well may make it to the Supreme
5: Court? Well, I'm pretty convinced that she would side with the conservatives. And- create a five to four majority to follow the Constitution. The problem for the president and the Republicans is that I don't believe the Supreme Court will even hear these cases unless it is clear that they will determine the outcome of the election, which means the president would have to win a couple of more states for that to be viable.
4: He's going to have to win Georgia and and maybe Arizona to get within the votes that Pennsylvania has to put him over the top.
5: Got it.
1: And so so the way you're you're assessing this is that the Supreme Court's going to potentially keep their hands off and wait and see what other results come. We know that there's going to be a recount in Georgia. We know that there's going to be a recount in Wisconsin and that and that only then they might turn and actually hear these cases from Pennsylvania and North Carolina. That's what it looks like. Well, folks, we are so, so grateful uh, to have you on, Victoria and Joe. We always appreciate your insight. Our viewers always enjoy it. Folks, uh, again, that's Victoria Tenzing and Joseph DeGeneva joining us today to help to break down what's happening right now with these Supreme Court cases. And folks, we have had so many of you who've come out and joined us on Real America's Voice in the past couple of weeks. Please do let your friends know out on social media, send them an email. Let them know that here at Real America's Voice, this is the channel that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen, and we're here to bring you the stories that so oftentimes are ignored by the mainstream media. We'll keep bringing you the facts and we'll be back Right after this, stay right with us.
0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
5: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
6: Welcome back to our Real America's Voice special election coverage, our democracy in jeopardy. Earlier this week, Dr. Gina Loudon spoke with Sebastian Gorka about the legality of this election. Take a listen.
0: Here with me now, the host of America First on the Salem Radio Network and member of the President's uh, National Security Education Board, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr. Gorka, I could never imagine, considering the sacrifice our veterans have made, that anyone, anyone, Dr. Gorka, would ever tamper with our elections. But we see every day more and more of these reports dead people voting, whistleblowers coming forward to say they saw very odd things happening with our vote count. And, Dr. Gorka, don't we owe it to every veteran to make sure that every single legal va- ballot is counted and every single illegal ballot is thrown out.
3: Absolutely, Dr. G. Uh, I don't know, uh, who's, who's the OG Dr. G here? We're, we'll have to flip a coin on that one. <laughs>
0: think,
3: we always th- have to sort that about, one out. <laughs> think about this, we, we have Americans who have come home missing limbs from war zones abroad. We have Americans who've come home in flag-draped caskets to their loved ones so they can be buried? Why? To preserve our freedom. And why is it that today cities like Philadelphia, states like Illinois, we we laugh, we laugh. It is now a butt of jokes that in Philadelphia, in Chicago, stealing an election, that's just what Democrats do and they've been doing it for decades and decades and decades. That. Is a slap in the face of the loved ones of those men and women who died or were injured for this nation fighting for our freedom. So, yes, and think about it thusly. Every single fraudulent vote, you've hear, you've heard it now, the, the multiple ballots that are being registered in the maiden names of women who've already voted, the, the ballots that minors have completed, the ballots that dead people, people who've been who who, who are 120 and now seem to be voting. Every single one of those steals a real vote. So you thought it was a big deal to wait in line to vote for the president or to vote for the down ballot individuals and candidates in your district. Well, guess what? Just one fraudulent vote means that your ballot is void. It doesn't count. It's been canceled out. So the president, has demanded an investigation. He has a right to do so. And guess what? I don't care whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, an independent. I don't care whether you you wrote Mickey Mouse in on the ballot. You should want every example of voter fraud to be uncovered.
0: Attorney General Barr, Dr. Gorka, sent in federal investigators to look into vote fraud. Many Trump supporters out there are breathing a sigh of relief that something is finally being done. But what is your true hope that this move by Barr will yield results? Or I guess, what do you see as the path to resolution or even possible unity at some point between the parties?
3: No, there's not going to be any unity. This is, this is the party, the Democrat parties are making lists, lists of Trump supporters. They are doxing lawyers who are working for the president's campaign to find out how many votes were stolen. They, they, they've called this president a Nazi. Biden said he's responsible for 200,000 deaths in America. Come on, Beijing Biden. You, you call for unity after language like that? I'll tell you, there's only one path for the president right now. I discussed it on my show today, America First. I, I'm writing about it as well. And it doesn't include A.G. Barr. Attorney General Barr has failed us, utterly and completely failed us. And there's no excuse. I don't want to hear that the deep state or anything else. He's the attorney general. We have no Durham report. We have zero indictments. One peon, one low-level lawyer, copped a plea plea deal with the DOJ. I want to see people arraigned. I want to see indictments for felonies for the key cabinet members of the Obama administration that okayed Operation Crossfire Hurricane against Mike Flynn. The individuals who orchestrated the surveillance of me and my friends and my colleagues in the Trump administration. So Barr is a failure. He is a disgrace. It's up to two things now: the president's legal team. It's up to Rudy Giuliani. It's up to the great surrogates he has in Dave Bossi, Corey Lewandowski, Pam Bondi, uh, Don Jr., Eric. It's it's you know those fighters have to fight. And then lastly, it's the I think the the only real path is the politi- political solution. There is no president-elect in America. The ballots have not been certified by the states, and the Electoral College doesn't meet till December. And we have to pressure. President Trump has to go to Pennsylvania. He has to go to Arizona. He has to go to North Carolina, and he has to hold rallies. and so He has to send a message to the MAGA base and to the Democrats and to the media and to the state's houses and to the secretaries of state of those states We will not let you. We will not let you certify clearly broken electoral systems with thousands, if not tens of thousands of fraudulent ballots. And we want to make sure that the Electoral College mandate of 270 votes is not met by either candidate because the system is so broken, you can't certify it. And guess what happens then, Dr. G? It's beautiful. The founding fathers, God bless them, are geniuses. If there's no 270 mandate in the electoral college, then the House of Representatives picks the next president, not based on the members, which would be, of course, a Democrat majority, but here's the little Byzantine twist based upon the party delegations by state. And right now, we have more delegates by party and state as republicans in the house of representatives and the president will stroll in we have 28 to 22 and the house of representatives should choose the president and that president should be my boss donald john trump
0: yeah you mentioned something very interesting folks can look this up it's amendment 12 i've been looking at it and discussing it with constitutional attorneys also um, and this is very interesting because you say the word Congress and people freak out because they realize that, <laughs> of course, the Democrats have majority, but that's not how this works. What you said, Dr. Gorka, is very important because in, in the case of one vote per state, immediately then the Republicans would have majority. But for this to happen, Amendment 12 has to be instituted by my understanding. I'm not an attorney. Let me say that. I've just been looking at this. Um, and uh, and by by that um, Republicans would have a majority because it would be one vote per state. And with a majority of Republican states, that is what you're talking about right there, I believe. And um, and yes. so that that does change everything. But for that to happen, of course, it would mean that we would have to have a, what you're saying, a forfeiture of some of the votes in the electoral college uh, based on whatever. And that could happen for a myriad of reasons. And it's looking more and more likely that something like that could happen because we are, after all, in unprecedented, unprecedented times. There's an enemies list. You mentioned this being compiled of those who supported President Trump. And this is this is not a covert thing. Right. This is happening right in front of our faces. It is of those who worked on the Trump campaign and in the Trump administration. I would say we're probably both on that list. Um, It sounds very fascist, but I I saw this today and I was just shocked by this. Uh, This is a New York Times op ed writer. This was published freely. I posted it today on my timeline. You probably posted it on yours, too. Um, This was in no way censored. There is no warning. Once I posted it on Twitter early this morning, Twitter didn't do anything about it. It was absolutely fine. It says this. You can't heal or reform the GOP. They have to be broken, burned down, and rebuilt. When Biden is in power, treat them like the active threats to democracy that they are. If those who committed crimes aren't punished they will be more emboldened. Now, uh, this is from a guy named Wajahat Ali, and he is a New York Times op-ed writer who is freely writing this kind of thing. Dr. Gorka, this scares people to death. This is intimidation of activism. This is intimidation of candidate recruitment. Um, This causes all kinds of problems. What is the answer to this kind of a divide and this kind of media onslaught that we are all enduring?
3: Courage, the only response is courage. Look, it's easy for me. My parents' children had to suffer under Nazi occupation in the country they were born in. Then my father as an adult, when that regime was replaced by a communist dictatorship, uh, he resisted the communists, was arrested, was tortured, and was given a life sentence in a political prison. Until his dying day as a child, I remember, for the first time, realizing what those marks on his body were, he had the scars on his wrists where he had been hung behind his back with wired uh, from the ceiling of the torture chamber by the secret police. So for me, you know, you know what? Bring it. I don't care whether it's AOC, with her enemies list, whether it's the, the, the cuckolded, pathetic, beta cuck Uh, quote unquote men of the Lincoln Project with with their doxing of the president's team. You know what? Mm -hmm. We're ready for you. Bring it. We will be the storm and you will have no idea what you are taking on. This nation was built by people of courage. And now it is up to all of us. Get your red hat on. Get your MAGA hat on. Get out on the streets. I don't care if you live in Philadelphia or Nevada. You need to get out wherever you are and show your support for the president. No president in American history ever received 71 million votes. That's Donald Trump.
0: Dr. Gorka, thank you for sharing that story with us. Thank you for your patriotism and thank you for being with us tonight. as a professional welder Shayna ford uses forge fx to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills the more muscle memory that you have the smoother your weld is learn more at meta.com metaverse impact
6: welcome back to our final segment this week in our real america's voice election 2020 special veterans day was earlier this week and our real america's voice team shared a special moment. Take a look.
0: We have our hosts and our contributors all around the country. We have Amanda Head in New York City. We have Steve Gruber in Michigan. We have Mark Serrano just outside of Washington DC and Ben Burquam in Maricopa County, Arizona. And Ben, you spoke to a veteran today in Arizona about all that is at risk right now in America as we watch the votes still being counted there. I want to go to that and then I want to get your reaction.
7: My family has supported this country and the office of the presidency all our lives. And I was raised a Democrat until I did my own research, my own education, and had the conversations with my parents. Why were we voting Democratic with that history, knowing that, that knowledge and once I became Acquainted with that knowledge, I became a Republican. Donald Trump has proven himself by the content of his character. Not, not everybody is going to like the way he talks, the way he walks, how he looks, his hair. I've heard it all. But the reality is the man has proven himself by the content of his character and what he's done for this country. This cannot be allowed to go on any longer. Any longer. This malicious, vile, vitriol hatred has to stop. And the Democratic Party has been suckered into the Socialistic Party for decades. Socialistic countries have wanted to take America down, and they did it from within. Why? Because America has had open arms to other countries' citizens that were seeking help. But in doing so, it's almost nearly impossible to vet every individual that comes into this country seeking asylum. So what happens? You have infiltrators. We now have socialists within our government, in our House of Representatives. And true Americans, Republican or Democrat, shouldn't stand for it. If you can't uphold the Constitution, sworn to protect, defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States, if you, your agenda is to destroy that Constitution, you don't belong here. Point blank. That's how I feel about this election. And thousands and millions of us feel the same way. I know I have over 70 million people standing behind me. We have to restore this country in the sight of God and in the presence of ourselves we have that responsibility it doesn't rest only on the shoulders of donald trump and president trump don't give up i know you've had an exhausting four years but it is not your time to let go of the reins we need you just as much as you need us let's go thank you thank you sir
0: i really wanted them to show that the lady pushing him away for like the next 20 seconds that was really important to me because I watched this earlier and there was just something so profound to me about her wheeling that veteran away I'll tell you what it's And his words and him speaking to the fact then that there were 70 million people standing behind him despite the fact that there was seven people standing behind him but in his mind he was he was fortified with 70 million people standing behind his words and his sentiment that his fight and his life meant something his vote meant something and he was willing to lay it all down uh, for that freedom. Uh, Ben that was so powerful thank you so much I want to give you just one second to respond and then I need to get around the rest of the country here. Go
5: ahead. You know I I watched that and it it breaks me down i think about uh, my wife and my daughters
2: and and men like that men like mark who sacrificed everything on such an important day that we honor our veterans and he didn't have to do that he doesn't know my family he doesn't know anything about us but he made the choice to go and put his life on the line and i was thinking about it today and uh, there are times in life where only god can fix it but for the other times i thank god that he uses men like mark And it, it just, it's such an honor. It's such an honor to be able to stand here, to be able to meet people like that, to be able to have patriots like this behind me
4: that love this country and that will do what it takes to save this
8: nation. It's an absolute honor, Gina.
0: What's an honor uh, that you've brought that to us tonight, Ben. Thank you so much. Happy Veterans Day to you. Amanda. You're up in New York City trying to dodge the rain. You've been outside of the Fox News building of all places all day long. Uh, They're taking some heat right now. Tell us about it. So we have been outside of Fox chatting with people who
9: are just walking by, you know, living their daily lives here in New York. And one of the things that I've gathered from those people, and also, of course, the chatter online, this is something that has been, uh, you know, has been happening since election night people are very very disgruntled with fox news and i think for a lot of them this started maybe a couple years ago when they started to see them inching a little bit to the left and then with their election night coverage it just became ever more apparent with their early call of arizona that fox news the way that we all knew it has officially left the building. Uh, Now, their building is behind me. It's across the street. I wanted to get those pretty lights behind me, if you can see them behind my umbrella. Um, But people here, you know, a lot of them were very nervous about talking to me. I had one lady who I thought, or one man who was going to talk to me, but then he started talking um, about Julian Assange and some other things. And then another gentleman who was very willing to talk to me. He just didn't want the camera to be on him. And he seemed like he may have been on our side of the aisle. My cameraman asked him who he voted for, and he wouldn't give up the goods. But I had a feeling that he was on our side. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. Gina, you and I have spoken about this offline. I wonder what Fox News is going to look like a year from now, two years from now, what the mainstream media complex is going to look like five years from now because so many people are coming to networks like ours. You know, we are on Dish, Channel 219, by the way, uh, but we are available on pretty much every other platform and device that you can imagine, on Pluto, on Roku, on Apple TV, on your Apple device, on your Mm -hmm. Android device. There's so many easy ways to find alternative content, and especially now with podcasts. A lot of the folks on our network have podcasts. And that's where people are going because they just they just aren't buying what folks
0: like Fox News are selling anymore. Fascinating, Amanda, because, you know, you and I met when you and I both did a lot of Fox News. And whoever knew uh, that at one point we'd be kind of unwelcome there. Uh, just for I know I kept saying reasons, it's going to be really it, awkward if someone I know walks out of Fox. Where media has gone today. But anyway, thank you for being with us. All right, over to Michigan, Steve Gruber. Steve, a new lawsuit was just dropped in Michigan today. The latest there, please.
8: Well, there's a lot going on here, Gina, to say the least for the lawsuits. Uh, The latest person to join the lawsuit filed in Wayne County. The effort there is to uh, block the vote in Wayne County. That's Detroit, for those of you keeping score outside of Michigan, uh, from having that vote certified. The latest person to join that lawsuit, the former Secretary of State here in Michigan, Ruth Johnson says she's seen the irregularity, she's seen the accusations, and she says, you can't certify this vote. And so she joined the lawsuit, filed not by the Trump campaign, but by two citizens who said they were working at the polls and saw too many things to let slide. There's a pile of affidavits here now, Gina, and you have to just see what they're talking about. Uh, One of those that um, was in the affidavit said they would take stacks of 50 ballots and feed them to the tabulator. And four and five times an hour, each one of these tabulators, and imagine there's many of them in this room they would jam four and five times an hour the process is supposed to be to take the 50 ballots out clear the machine and reload it and go again that wasn't happening in one of the affidavits the woman says she walked over to a machine to help a colleague it was reading well over 400 votes and they were still trying to put the same 50 ballots through that means those ballots were counted eight times each think about that spread over thousands of ballots plus Uh, trucks arriving 345 in the morning on the 4th of November. And now we've been told uh, that maybe as many as 100,000 votes arrived by van 24 hours after the polls had closed in Michigan. A lot of questions here, a lot of affidavits. And these are like stories we're hearing from Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Las Vegas. Uh, But these stories in Michigan and to have a former Secretary of State who was in the job From 2011 until 2019, she understands the job and working elections, and she says this vote should not be certified for any reason. We'll see what the courts do, but it's um, pretty compelling evidence, to say the least.
0: All right. Well, thank you for that report, Steve Gruber. We're going to go on over to Mark Serrano. Mark, on Veterans Day, we have a special duty to make sure that every vote is legitimate. And uh, we're not just talking about audits, because audits, really are just going to probably confirm uh, whatever the fraud is. I mean, I'm sorry, not just talking about recounts, but we're talking about audits. Um, I think that's the important part to uncover the fraud, because if we just have a recount, it's just going to tell us again whatever the fraud is. We want an audit, correct?
5: Yes, correct. Gina,
2: well said. An audit can actually show us the fraud. The recount will only validate the fraud. It's just recounting Thank bad you. ballots. <laughs> That's so what I was trying to is, say. <laughs> yeah, we have to distinguish between which were legally cast ballots and which ones were illegal and which batches of ballots may be disqualified because they were commingled together. And obviously we need the courts to come in and and investigators, prosecutors to assess all this.
6: And thank you so much for joining us here on Real America's Voice, a republic at risk. And we will keep bringing you all the latest uncensored information with the help of Real America's Voice hosts and correspondents and the amazing work of Just the News and their incredible staff of reporters and investigators. Good night and God bless.